So I'm excited as we jump into Proverbs 9. Uh, Nathan read Proverbs 3. And if you didn't know, the first nine chapters of Proverbs is basically an introduction. It's this idea of, hey, look at what's coming. Solomon, Solomon is talking about the usefulness of wisdom, but he's applying it to the source, to who God is. And he realizes for true wisdom, you have to come to the Lord. So I thought a way of starting our talk about wisdom, because I don't have gray hairs or I don't look that wise, uh, I thought it would be important to refer to people the world considers as smart in their view on wisdom. So let's start with William Shakespeare. The fool doth think he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. Socrates. The only true wisdom is in knowing you know nothing. Aristotle. Knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And again, Aristotle says, It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. And then Albert Einstein says, Any fool can know to know. The point is to understand. Now, I could go on and talk about smart people and their view on wisdom, but something that's important to see is they're basing wisdom on what they see in mankind. They don't have this view of what God says about wisdom. And I think after looking at people like Socrates, Aristotle, Albert Einstein, it's important that we come to a guy that they say is the wisest guy that we know. And it's Solomon. And we've been going through Ecclesiastes, and Rob last week really talked about how we live our life, and that's through wisdom. And Ecclesiastes and Proverbs were written by Solomon, and I think it's important, before we even start with Proverbs 9, to go to 2 Chronicles 1 and verses 8 through 12. And the reason being is I want you to get to know the author. When you start reading a book, usually when you pick a book, you know something about the author. Say Lord of the Rings. You know stuff about Tolkien, who he is, what he has wrote before, what he believes. Hopefully, that is the hope. Or you know things that are similar. And that is the thing as we're coming into Proverbs is I think it's important that we see Solomon's heart. Now, side note, yes, Solomon asked for wisdom. He was very wise, but he didn't make wise choices later, and we'll talk about that. But before we start reading, let's pray. Jesus, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the chance to be in your word. And Lord, I just thank you that we can glorify you. Lord, thank you for your word and for this congregation here, for this family. Lord, I pray that as I come up here, that it won't be my words, it will be your words. 
And Lord, I pray for the people out there that as they listen, they can think about who you are. That you would be the one magnified. That we can honor you in it all. Thank you again for this time. In your name, amen. So, 2 Chronicles 1, verses 8 through 12, it says this. And Solomon said to God, you have dealt with my father David with great faithfulness and have made me a king in his place. Now, Lord God, you promised to my father David is fulfilled. For you have made me king over a place as numerous as the dust of the earth. Now give me wisdom and knowledge so that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can rule this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you did not ask for riches, wealth, or honor, or the life of those who hate you, nor did you even ask for long life, but you asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge so that you may rule my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. I will also give you riches, wealth, and honor, such as none of the kings who were before you have possessed, nor will those who will come after you. Now, Solomon, in his pursuit for wisdom, realized three things. And those three things that we can see in Second Chronicles when he's asking for wisdom is he realized God's faithfulness. He saw it in his father's life, of David's life. He saw how God had been faithful to David because David had followed the Lord. Solomon also realized God's power. He realized God was the one working. God could do anything that he want and had the ability to give him the wisdom so that he could rule the people of Israel. Also, he realized God's sovereignty, that it was his people, not Solomon's people. Give me wisdom so that I can rule your people. And we're seeing a little bit more of who Solomon is. Solomon asked for wisdom not for his glory, but that he could rule God's people with wisdom and knowledge. Because he knew that power and money weren't going to buy peace in the kingdom. He realized that God in control was the thing that was going to bring fame, fortune, but also a peaceful kingdom. Now Solomon had an understanding and fear of the Lord and knew that God was the one in control. And when we're talking about this idea of wisdom, Charles Spurgeon says this, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And that is where we're going to jump into Proverbs 9, if you will turn there with me. And as we jump into Proverbs 9, 
And we kind of keep these things in mind of Solomon, of how he realized these three things, God's faithfulness, God's power, and God's sovereignty. When he talks about wisdom and folly in Proverbs 9, I think it's important that we see that this battle for wisdom is in our lives as we walk day to day. It's not this, oh, look, I'm following the Lord. I'm wise. (laughs) It's a process. The Lord continues to work in each and every one of our lives. So will you read with me as we read Proverbs 9? Wisdom has built her house. She has honed out seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him churn and hear. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat of my food, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live, and proceed in the way of understanding. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. And he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied. And the years of your life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house, on a seat by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by, who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. As you see in chapter 9 of Proverbs, we have two bookends. We have wisdom and we have folly. And there's two women at play that Solomon is talking about. And also in the middle, he brings this idea together about the fear of the Lord and understanding who the Holy One is. And it's interesting that Solomon is writing about this because he's realizing how much Wisdom and folly play in our lives. And we can see that folly played destruction in his life in his later years, even though he was wise. Folly still crept in. And to understand this battle for wisdom, I think it's important we know both sides. So we're going to start in the first couple verses, and we're going to talk about wisdom. And I think it's important when we look at wisdom, we need to know three things. 
and we're going to do the same thing for folly. We need to know her preparation, her plea, and her promise. And those are three things that we see in Proverbs 9. And it's her preparation, her plea, and her promise. Now, if we start with her preparation, we see that wisdom has built her house. She's put in the work. The house is built. It's ready. Now, it's hewn out seven pillars. Now, I don't know if you guys know what pillars are, but going to Washington, D.C., this idea kind of became bigger for me. Because with the seven pillars, it's this idea of completeness. It's secure. The biggest buildings have really big pillars. I don't know if you've ever seen the Lincoln Memorial, but there are some big pillars. I can't even wrap my arms around it. They're huge, and it's towering, and it's holding up a large structure. And in the same way, wisdom has put out these pillars so that it's secure, that it's complete. She's prepared her food. She's getting ready. She's mixed her wine. She's set her table, and she's putting in the work and sent out her maidens. So wisdom has a lot of work that she has been doing. And we kind of see a correlation with Christ in the same way of what his life was built on. It was built on glorifying, honoring God. It was built on a foundation of knowing who God is. He prepared different things in his life so that he could walk a perfect life. Also, he sent out his disciples to share the good news. It wasn't just, oh, look, it's here. And in the same way, wisdom is doing this. Now, with wisdom, we go on to her plea. If you look at Proverbs 9.3, it says, she, sent, she has sent out her maidens, she calls, from the tops of the heights of the city. She wants to be heard. She's there. She's calling. Wisdom is in every aspect of our lives. God's word, it's right there. She cries out from the highest parts of the city. She invites the naive and those who lack understanding. I think this is important for us to realize because if we want wisdom in our life, we have to realize who we are as well. We have to realize that we're sinful, <laughs> that we go to our flesh, and most of the time we're not wise. All the time we're not wise. In verse 4, it says, Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat of my food and drink of my wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. Wisdom wants us to come partake of the things that can happen, of this good food, of this prepared feast, of the knowledge that wisdom can give us. 
but we have to forsake foolishness and live and to go the way of understanding. Shows that it's a completely different path than we want. Wisdom is saying, hey, come this way. But most of the times, we're going the other way. Now, also with her plea, I find it's important that we look at verses 7 through 9. We instantly want to skip down to the one where it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But I think verses 7 through 9 give us something for wisdom's plea. And these verses say, he who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. And he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. Correcting a scoffer only shames and harm the one doing the correcting. Wisdom is showing you alone can't change a person's heart. But many times when we're in the house of wisdom or when we're here sitting right here in these seats, we have this view of, well, why would people live the lives out there? It's stupid. It's not going any further. They're going to eventually go to hell because of the life they're living. Why can't they turn away? And we sit and we have this judgment that we try to perform. And I think it's important to see correcting a scoffer only shames and harms the one doing the correcting is when we're looking at someone else, we need to see that we were in that same spot, that we are in that same spot. Because wisdom isn't just fully given to us when we say, the Lord is my Savior. A second point with verses 7 through 9 is the wise and just appreciate and will learn from correction. I think that's important here as the body of if you can't take correction or it's hard for you to hear, oh, maybe I should work on that. That is something that we need to look at our hearts of. Is this actually for Christ or is this for magnify me? I like the spotlight. Lady Wisdom makes great effort to reach those who will listen. Her plea is with great effort. She wants you to hear. Wisdom is calling. And she has a promise. So we got preparation, her plea, and now her promise. Her promise is wisdom and understanding. And that brings us to verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. But this wisdom and understanding comes for those who fear the Lord 
and those who know the Lord and what he's done. Also, she promises long life. Verse 11. For by me your days will be multiplied and the years of your life will be added to you. That's pretty good. I want to be living till I'm Ralph and Charlotte's age. Hopefully. I might have to tame down my ultimate Frisbee waves to be living that day. But also a promise that wisdom has is to benefit oneself. In verse 12 it says, if you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Wisdom will bless oneself. You will have God's aid. Wisdom is good for you. And on the other hand, if you scorn, it'll hurt yourself. And you'll have to bear that. So whether if I choose to listen to the Lord's direction or not, I'm going to bear those. And so if we look at wisdom, we see that it's set up to nourish and build up. And we're going to move on to folly. And if we look at Proverbs 9, verses 13 to the end of the chapter, we can see her preparation. She has no preparation. She is boisterous, loud, and she's naive and knows nothing. She does have a plea. Her plea is... She's sitting at the doorway. We can read that in verse 14 where it says, She sits at the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, Stolen water is sweet, and the bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. She calls to those who pass by. She targets the naive and those who lack understanding. She counteroffers what wisdom is giving. Her promise, stolen water sweet, bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Hey, that looks good. When we talk about folly, it's in the same aspect of how we live our lives. There's things in this world that looks good. Paul talks about this. He's saying things are good, but not everything is beneficial. <laughs> he saw that in his life as he went to serve the Lord. But I think there's something important to realize about folly is that when people enter into this house with no preparation, they don't know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. It looks good on the outside, but we don't see what can come. Woman folly completes, competes with lady wisdom for the souls of men. If we look at folly, we see that it is set to ensnare. 
and bring destruction in our lives. It looks good. It grabs hold of the ankle and we can't get away. And I think there's two points with wisdom and folly that I want to bring out. That we see in Proverbs 9. Wisdom wants to maximize God and minimize us. When we choose wisdom, when we want to enter this feast that is prepared for us, it maximizes God. God, you're in the one in control. You are the one that knows all things. And it minimizes us. <laughs> My way is not best. Folly wants to do the opposite. It wants to maximize us and minimize God. It says, I know best. The things of this world is good. I want this. But then we don't see the destruction that can come. Or maybe we do. And we just like the things of there because it's present and it's easy. And we get caught in this back and forth. As I was reading Proverbs 9, I don't know about you guys, but seeing wisdom and folly in the same city at their houses, it shows that we have a choice of whether we're going to choose following God or following ourselves. And I think it's important to know that sometimes we can be like Proverbs 3 and thinking we're wise. We got our own understanding. This is the way we're going to go. Again, we're maximizing my thoughts, how I think, rather than what does God actually say? What does he lead us to do? So that brings us to, so what's the point? And I had four things that I saw when pursuing wisdom that I think is important when we look at Proverbs 9. And we're going to reread Proverbs 9, 10 through 12 before we start this. And it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and the years of your life will be added to you. If you are wise, you will wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. Solomon is saying here the start of being wise is that we need to have a fear of the Lord. Now, this word fear is the word yaira, which means respect, reverence, piety, revered. So when it talks about this fear of the Lord, it's having this respect and reverence for who Christ is, for God, for the work that he's doing. And it's the beginning of wisdom. It's not wisdom is complete. I have a fear of the Lord. I'm wise. Woo! That's not what it is. It's the start. The same process as we accept the Lord as he purifies, as he sanctifies, as he works in our lives, it's a process. It's I'm not perfect. 
Christ does the work. In the same way of wisdom, Christ does the work. And the second part, when it says, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. When you look at Holy One, this word is translated to Kadush, which means sacred, holy, holy one, saint, set apart. And I think it's important when we hear that word set apart, we know Christ was set apart. He lived a life that was perfect. And if we're looking at this to understand the Lord or the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, is we need to know what Christ did on the cross. We need to know for us to understand what he's doing in our lives. For wisdom to take full effect, we have to fall down before the Lord and understand what he's doing. So the first thing to know is that wisdom and folly are on the same crossroads. The question is which direction you will go. And in Romans 7, verse 14 to 20, it says this. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am fleshly, sold into bondage to sin. For I do not understand what I am doing. For I am not practicing what I want to do, but I do the very thing I hate. However, if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law and the law is good. But now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that good does not dwell in me, that is my flesh, for the willing is present in me. But the doing of the good is not, for the good that I want, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I do the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but the sin that dwells in me. The reason why I wanted to bring Romans 7 when talking about this point of wisdom and folly are on the same crossroads, Paul talks about it. He knew the struggle of following the Lord, following wisdom. I know what I want to do, but this is drawing me over here. And I do the things I hate. And he sees that when he chooses folly, the sin is the one that's dwelling in me rather than the Lord that dwells in me. I can ask us the same question. Many times when we come to that crossroad, and it's not just one big crossroad of our life, it's many different crossroads. It's as we're walking the path of life, we have a choice. Do we choose wisdom over folly? Do we choose God over ourselves? And I think with this battle for wisdom, it also starts with having a relationship with Christ. 
and being in full surrender to Christ and not living for yourself. We read Proverbs 3 earlier, or Nathan did. And in verses 5 through 7, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It's good, but it's hard. And I think that's something important to know of we can't just say, I want to be wise, so I'm going to follow the Lord. (laughs) That's the wrong way to look at it. With us talking about this battle for wisdom, it's been a progression. We had to start with the gospel. That's why when Kyle was here, he preached on the gospel for probably six months and still preaches on the gospel in different aspects in Ecclesiastes. And I hope you see that of we have to realize it starts with a relationship with the Lord. We have to repent and give our lives to Christ. We have to say, Lord, this is yours. This is not my life. And that is for the start of wisdom to begin. Now in Galatians 6, 1 through 10, we have this idea that gives a better understanding of a relationship with Christ. Not in the way that you would think. It starts with the body. And in Galatians 6, it says this, Brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person. In a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you are not tempted as well. Bear one another's burden and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work. And then he will have reason for boasting, but to himself alone and not to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit and will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let's not become discouraged in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not become weary. So then while we have opportunity, let's do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. This church to the Galatians, or this letter to the Galatians, talks about bearing one another's burdens. But also it talks about choosing wisdom, choosing God, over choosing yourselves. Did you catch that in verse 6? And on it says, The one who is taught the word is to share all good things from the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not marked. For whatever a person sows, that he will also reap. If we sow folly, we're going to get folly. If we sow ourselves, 
going to bring destruction. If I want my way, it'll eventually lead to destruction, to the dead people. But if I sow what Christ has done in my life, it brings a promise. It brings his work. That's why in Romans 12, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, in the view of God's mercies, to offer your body as a holy and living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul understood it. Do not be conformed to this world. He also said, I urge you in the view of God's mercy. That's that point, relationship with Christ, knowing what he's done. We need to see the goodness that he's given and that it's everywhere. The same with Christ and his church. The groom and his bride. There's also a third thing. Knowing Jesus, the Holy One, and his sacrifice helps us understand his purpose rather than our purpose. Romans 5, 1 through 11. I guess you can say I really like Paul's writings because he was a guy that was walking with the Lord. Wasn't perfect, but also realized God's work. And it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into it this grace in which we stand. And we celebrate in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also celebrate in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps the good person, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only this, but we also celebrate in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. Knowing Christ. Knowing Jesus and his sacrifice helps us understand his purpose rather than our purpose. We see that it's out of love. God demonstrates his own love toward us.
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's kind of humbling to be in that spot. Many times we say, I know Jesus. But we don't fully understand his purpose. We go, I got my purpose. I know what I want to do. But we can say that we know Jesus, but don't actually have this fully applied relationship wanting to walk with Jesus every day. And number four is that the fear of the Lord and knowing Jesus helps us add value and glorifies the Lord in the process. I'm going to just bring you back to Proverbs 9, verses 10 to 12. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied, and the years of your life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone will bear it. We see that if we fall down before the Lord, if we know his purpose of what he's doing in our lives, it gives us wisdom of how we should live our lives. It gives us understanding of what he's doing. still kind of boggles our minds of us thinking, why would he do that for a sinner like me? But it says, for by me your days will be multiplied and the years of life will be added to you. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. We're going to bear the choices that we make. Remember, wisdom and folly are on the same street. We have a choice which one we're going to choose. Solomon knew that. Still, Solomon chose folly. And we saw, we can see what happened to this author. It led to the destruction of his reign. And in the same way, folly can ensnare us and lead to destruction in our lives. And it can start as something small, something that we don't think is big, but then it can consume. Those things that we don't want to give over to the Lord, it can just sit there and grow and grow until we find ourselves in the house of folly with the dead people. Stuck. Can't do anything for ourselves. That's where this fear of the Lord, this respect of knowing who God is, knowing what he's done in my life, needs to be our motivation. For this battle for wisdom, 
it needs to be the starting point. We need to fall down before the Lord and say, Lord, this is yours. And it's not just, Lord, please forgive me for this sin. It's, Lord, like, I need you in this aspect. I need you in work. I need you in this engagement process. I need you in my family. I need you when I'm serving. I need you here in these heart issues, in my anger, in purity. You can put different things in that, but I think it's important to realize we need to come before the Lord if we need to, if we want to live a life that's of wisdom. We don't fully obtain wisdom by saying, Lord, I want you at the center of my life. Lord, I need you. It's a process. It's a continual seeing what the Lord's doing and growing us in the process. J.I. Packer says this about wisdom. Not until we have become humble and teachable, standing in awe of God's holiness and sovereignty, acknowledging our own littleness, distrusting our own thoughts, and willing to have our minds turned upside down, can divine wisdom become ours. Acknowledging our own littleness, distrusting our own thoughts, and willing to have our minds turned upside down can divine wisdom become ours. It's not natural. It's not easy. And I think that's something important as we look at Proverbs 9 of what are aspects in your life right now that you tend to choose folly over wisdom? Or better yet, where you choose yourself over God. Maybe it's, I can come to church, I can hear the message, but I haven't given my life fully over to the Lord. That's where we can choose ourselves over God. Maybe it's in a part of our lives where our family where we don't have the correct way of talking to our kids, to our spouses. To maybe people in the church of how I communicate. I'd rather want my way than God glorified. Same way of choosing wisdom over folly. And that's what I want to end with today is to be thinking of how do we live our lives in each different aspect? Do we maximize ourselves, which in turn minimizes God? Or do we want to maximize God and his greatness and push us out of the way and minimize us? So will you join me in prayer as we give this to the Lord?
Jesus, Lord, thank you for who you are. Lord, I fall short many times, Lord. As we talk about this battle for choosing you over ourselves. It's hard when we paint the picture and put in perspective of the battle that we're in. And many times we choose ourselves. Most of the time we choose ourselves, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for the people wrestling with things right now that you would work, that you would work in my life, that you would work in their lives. But Lord, ultimately, that we would be a body that falls down and is in full submittance of you. Lord, I pray for the people that don't know you, that they can say, Lord, I need you in my life. I want to choose you over myself. Lord, in the same thing for us here, that we can choose you over what I want, over my pride, over what I think should be done in my life. Lord, I pray that you would be the one glorified, that you would be the one honored. In your name, amen.